Red Rocks Church. Can you keep that going and help me welcome all of our campuses across Denver, across the pond at Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas. We love you. And can you make some crazy noise for our men and women at our God Behind Bars campuses? neighbor and you can be seated this weekend. We're going to have some fun. For those of you that might be visiting or might be new, watch out. My name is Ronnie. I'm one of the guys on staff here and uh, I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about this weekend because I think that it's one of those things every once in a while God places something on your heart that's pretty, um, it's broad strokes applicable for a lot of people in a lot of seasons, a lot of age ranges, a lot of ethnicities, like no matter what your socioeconomic status is, sometimes you can just preach to a certain topic that kind of addresses us all where we are. And one of the things that I want to talk about this weekend is this idea of being stuck. Being stuck. Go ahead and lean to your neighbor because they're going to be truthful to you. They didn't sit by me. They sat by you. Um, lean over to them and ask them, neighbor, have you ever been stuck? Have you ever been stuck? If your neighbor's ever been stuck, can you raise your hand? Let's just get a, a pulse. Let's get a reading. If you're, if you're not raising your hand, your neighbor's a liar. A liar. We've all been to a place where we get to a situation a circumstance, a trial, an addiction, a relationship where we go, I'm stuck. I don't want to be in this job, but I've been trying for a really long time to go somewhere else and I'm just stuck. I've been trying to find that significant other and nobody likes what they're looking at. I'm single and I'm, I'm stuck. I, I try to make a little extra money here and there, but it seems like the snowball of debt keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm wondering, am I ever going to get out of this? I'm stuck. Have you ever been stuck? I've been stuck a few times. I, as I was prepping this, I, I, was, I was thinking about one uh, occasion that I was traveling through an airport and I was trying to get home back to my family here in Denver. And, and, and one of my flights got canceled. And so I, I run frantically up to the desk and I'm like, ma'am, listen, I, my, my flight's canceled. Can I just get on any available flight? Like my wife can't resist me. You got to make something work. You know what I mean? So I'm like, can you, can you just figure something out? And she was amazing. She, she made a, a couple adjustments and I had to do like a connecting flight, but I was like, I'll, I'll take it. Whatever gets me home tonight, like I'll, I'll take it just as long as I can see my family sleep in my own bed. We're good. And she made some adjustments and, and I, I get to my gate and I get ready to board my new flight and there's a delay and I'm like, okay, it's not a big deal. I got an hour layover. I, I should be fine. And then the delay goes a little bit longer and goes a little bit longer. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have like seven minutes to get to the, the gate where I'm arriving and the gate where my connecting flight is going to take me home. I got to get there really quickly. And so I'm like sweating and I'm like telling the lady next to me, like, I got to get off this plane right when this, this thing lands. Like I got seven minutes to get from gate to gate before I miss my boarding. And I can remember when I landed at that connecting flight, 
I'm running through the airport. Don't you feel like a ton of pity every time you see somebody running through the airport? You're like, you poor soul. Because they're always, they're always running with a backpack too. Like if you've ever seen somebody that looks uncoordinated and not athletic, like try running around with like a backpack, right? Like it just doesn't work well. And so I'm sprinting through the airport in a backpack and then I can see a saving grace in the distance. I can see a moving walkway. Have you ever had a run through an airport and you just so happen to be able to catch one of those moving walkways? You're like, I hope somebody is capturing this because one day they're going to be like making Marvel movies about me because I am running at like supersonic speed past people. It's like a saving grace. And I I can remember running into a bit of a roadblock, though, on one of those moving walkways. We've all been on those moving walkways when you got the husband and wife or the two people standing side by side, just blocking the whole way. Don't you hate people that get on the moving walkway and they're not walking? Jeez, I'm preaching good this weekend. You better shout me down. I ran into one of those roadblocks and and, and I'm like sprinting, I'm sweating and I'm like limp running with my backpack on and I'm like yelling like, coming through, on your left, step aside. Like I'm getting anything out of my mouth to get these people to move. And this guy at like slowest speed in history kind of does one of these like 17 point turns. He's like, (laughs) looks over his shoulder and as if I'm inconveniencing him and he, he just moves his his carry on to the side and lets me through. There's just something wrong about people that block the moving walkway. (laughs) You're literally on a mechanism that's helping you move. You, You have the appearance of movement, but you're not moving. Sometimes that's how we are when we get stuck. Have you ever been stuck and you're like, I'm just going to do anything that I can to, to put on the appearance that I'm not really stuck, even if it's just for me. Like, come on, ladies, you've been to the point where you just feel overwhelmed, you're stressed out, and you're like, I'm going to Target. <laughs> come on, retail therapy. Anybody done it? Anybody done it? It's illogical, people. It's like standing on a moving walkway. You're not going to actually move. Nothing's going to change. It just kind of helps you in the moment. Don't act like you've never eaten a whole cheese pizza when you're stressed out. (laughs) I'm stuck, but I'm going to do something to make me feel a little bit better. It's not going to solve my problem, but it's going to give me the appearance that I'm moving. And I think if we can have like a moment of real honesty, I think that's why there's such a pornography epidemic. We have a lot of people that are like, man, I, I can't seem to have intimacy with people. I'm living in baggage that I just feel stuck in because I never got affirmation from my parents. I don't even get affirmation from my spouse, so I need to find an outlet. I'm, I'm moving, but I'm, I'm stuck. If you've ever been in a dead-end job or a difficult situation or a difficult relationship, you, you might know what it's like to have to take a drink at night just so you can fall asleep. The anxiety levels get heightened. It feels like you're moving. It takes the edge off for the moment, but then the next day you're hit with the same tidal wave of anxiety. You're moving, but you are really stuck. And I think as we look at scripture, the Bible's really clear about a few things. And and I, I, I think, if I can be honest with you, I think we 
misappropriate being stuck. I think we give it a bad rap. I think we get flustered when we have any sort of appearance or feeling like, like I can't get out. I, I've been stuck in this addiction for so long and I just want to be free, but I can't get out. The Bible's pretty interesting. The Bible says that, that God takes what the enemy meant for evil and he makes it for good. The Bible says that God works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. He takes things, all things, bad situations, good situations, difficult situations, stuck situations, and somehow he has an ability to take stuck and use it for, for good. And I'm wondering if we've given stuck a bad rap. I'm wondering if you're feeling stuck right now, looking for a way to get out. I wonder if God just wants you to kind of savor this. Could stuck be saying something to us? Lean to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I might be stuck. Like you mean it. Neighbor, I might be stuck. Littleton's bashful. Come on, Arvada. God behind bars. Lakewood. I need your help. I might be stuck. But tell him, but it's significant. It's significant. I hope that through the reading of God's word, God's word teaches us something today. I can promise you I'm not a very bright guy, but, but God's word has the ability to change your life. So my prayer is as we look at this this weekend, that God might do something with the way that we see our stuck situation. You might be stuck but I promise you that it's significant. Let's pray. God, I just pray that as we look to your word, some people that feel like they're in situations that might never change. God, maybe they were even just born into a difficult situation and they're just wondering, is, is my reality ever going to be different than what I'm experiencing right now? God, I pray that through the lens of your scripture and through the power of your spirit, God, that you would bring things to the surface this weekend that might change the way that we see our situation. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. The reason that we're here, the name we're here to lift high. Everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen, amen, amen. amen. If you got your Bible, open up to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three. Anybody love their Bible? Got some lovers of the word over here. I love it. It's amazing. Acts chapter 3, just to give a little bit of context, the disciples have just had this earth-shaking, reality-shaking experience where Jesus is now gone and his spirit ascends onto his people or descends onto his people. Their worlds are, are shaken and they are now filled with his presence. And that happens in Acts chapter one and chapter two. And then this story, Acts chapter three, is directly following this unbelievable God encounter. In Acts chapter three, verse one, it starts off saying this, that Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. How holy, three o'clock prayer service. It's right in the middle, that's nap time. That's nap time. And then it says, and as they approached the temple... A man lame from birth. Enter our main character. A man lame from birth was being carried in. It says each day he was put beside the temple gate. 
the one called Beautiful Gate, so that he could beg from the people going into the temple. He's like, I hope these church people are nice. I hope these church people are generous and merciful. So, so put me by the, the, the temple doors. And then verse three says, when, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Verse four says, Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. Parents, you know what this is like talking to your kid. You're like, you, yo, shh. Look, look at, look at mommy. Look at that. Just look at me. Once they're looking, you know, you have their attention. He says, Hey, 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 look at us. Verse five says the lame man looks at them eagerly. He's like, this is going to be a payday. They see me, show me the money. And it says the lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But verse six says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. It's one of the broke friends. We all got a broke friend. I don't got no money. I'll pay you back later. And it says, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. And he says to this man, get up and Walk And verse seven says, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly, say to your neighbor, instantly, instantly healed and they were strengthened. It says, but he jumped up and he stood to his feet and he began to walk. And he just says, I'm not just going to stop there. He says, then walking, leaping and praising God. Come on, if you've ever been healed, you've ever been set free, God's ever done something in your life, you can't help but praising God. Anybody grateful that God did something in your life, gave you a reason to celebrate, a reason to praise, and it says, then he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. He was the loud guy. Verse 10 says, when they realized he was the lame beggar, they had seen so often by the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded, absolutely astounded. So here we have a picture of a guy who is literally legitimately stuck. There's not a way in which he could change his circumstance and situation he is completely and utterly dependent upon other people to just move him from his home to the temple, from his home to the temple. And every single day, he's got to get some family members, some friends to pick him up, physically walk him down the streets and set him beside this gate. He is stuck. The Bible says that this man has been here for 40 years. He has lived in obscurity like this, unable to move. And there's some of you that your situation, you've been in this for a really long time, wondering, is this ever going to change? And I want to look at this man's life because he has some rhythms, some behaviors that I believe that we should look at and take heed to as we look at God's word, because it's going to tell us something about the significance of being stuck. This man has a routine every day. He wakes up and he does the same thing. 
on Sundays, on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, he's doing the same thing. Holidays, he's doing the same thing. His birthday, he's doing the same thing every single day. But there's something interesting about the routines that we have. There's something really interesting about doing the same behaviors every single time, being stuck in a routine. Some of us feel stuck, but the, the problem is we become what we consistently do. That's why sometimes when, when, when people are in a situation where they're, they're out of health, their eating is out of control, they're wanting to lose weight, and they, they try going to the, the gym, and it's good for a little while, and they drop some pounds, and they're looking good, and bikini season is coming. But when you consistently eat poorly, you will become what you consistently do. And this man has a pattern. He's stuck, but there's something about his pattern that is interesting. And if we want to be types of people to see the significance of you being stuck in a season, God, how can you use this? Take a look at verse two. It says that each day he was put beside the temple gate so that he could beg from the people. If you're taking notes, which I, I say, please, please, please do. It's when I am stuck. I need to change my patterns. When I'm stuck, I need to change my patterns. There's some things that in the middle of you being stuck in a certain situation, there are some things that when we're honest for a moment, when we look at our lifestyle, we need to change our pattern. I am the way that I am because of the things that I have done repeatedly. We need to change our patterns. What's interesting about this guy's pattern is the Bible says that he goes to the temple gates every single day and, and he says that he begs for money. Now, I'm not super smart, but what is begging for money going to change about this man's situation? Because he believes so deeply that going back to this temple gate to beg for some money, it, it's so valuable. He's going to wake up every single day, rain or shine, to beg for some money. Isn't it interesting how when we get stuck, we start reaching for anything and everything, not to fix our problem, but to just help us survive. This is where this guy is. My, my, my relational life is in dysfunction, so I got to go find somebody else to fill up my love tank. Like, I, I, I feel so overwhelmed with anxiety. I got to go out and get a drink. I got to smoke a joint. I got to pop a pill. Anything to help me not change my problem, but just help me survive. Money wasn't going to heal this man's condition. Only a miracle would. But why is it that sometimes when only a miracle, only an encounter with Jesus can heal or change your situation, why is it that we go begging for money? Here's this man. He, he, he's stuck in a pattern. And if we're going to learn something from his life, the next time you are stuck, assess your patterns, because I promise you, there's probably something in you being stuck that God goes, I'm going to allow this because I want you to assess your patterns. I, I know you feel really stuck right now. 
I know on surface level you're going, how could a good God ever leave me here? But I'm, I'm doing it because I'm gracious, because I'm good, and because I'm kind. Could you, could you just look at your patterns? I wonder, what are your patterns? The more that I follow Jesus, I realize that if I want to get unstuck, if I want to see the significance in me feeling stuck and stationary, I must change my patterns. I become what I consistently do. Change your patterns. Then in verse four and five, it gets interesting because it says that as Peter and John looked at him intently, they're like, they're, they see this guy. Like they, not only do they, their eyes lock his body, but he, he's like, I, I'm, I'm seeing you. Like I'm taking notice of your condition. I, I see you. I'm looking intently. And it says, Peter said to this guy, hey, you look at us like we're up here. If you're going to beg for money, at least look at my eyes. Please take me to dinner. He, he says, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. So this man's pattern gets disrupted. Some guys finally take a notice of him. But something doesn't change in this guy. And the first thing that we have to do if we want to leverage our stuckness, if we want to see significance in us being stuck, write this down. When I'm stuck, I need to check my focus. I need to check my focus. Here's, here's this man. He's going back to the same place every single day. He's, he's sitting at this beautiful gate. Peter and John see this guy and he's, he's begging for money. He, he, he's just begging for a handout. Just anybody just give me something, help me to survive. But the Bible says that he's not looking at the people. He's, he's looking downward. Have you ever been stuck in a situation and you just feel like I can't help but see what I'm in right now? A couple of weeks ago, I had one of those just kind of like anxiety filled nights and I'm laying there and I wake up at midnight and I'm, my brain is just go, it's like going crazy on hyperspeed. And I'm thinking through solutions and what happens if this happens and what if that goes wrong? And, and I'm like, quiet, be quiet, be less anxious. And there's something about that, that it just like perpetuates the cycle. And I'm still up and two o'clock rolls around and I'm still up and three o'clock rolls around and I'm still up and I'm like, shut up, stop thinking, go to bed. You can worry about this tomorrow. But sometimes when you're just in the middle of being stuck, all you can see is your own situation. Here's this man. He's stuck in a situation. He's just trying to survive. And, and, and Peter and John realize if this guy is ever going to get out of this situation, He's definitely focused on the wrong thing. This guy came every single day and he sat outside of the temple. The temple at this time was the place where the presence of God resided. Literally, his answer was on the other side of the wall. His, his answer was walking to him in the form of, of Peter and John. Yet this guy can't get out of his head. He can't get out of his situation. He, he's been dehumanized to his disability. And he's sitting there and Peter and John say, look at us. Stop being so down. 
Stop being so fixated on your problem. I wonder, are you, Red Rocks Church, fixated on your problem so much so that you're missing out on the solution that you've been looking for? Look at us. And it says that he shifts his eyes up and he looks at Peter and John eagerly expecting some money. Isn't it easy how sometimes we can look up, we can make it look like our perspective has changed. We get back into a rhythm of going to church and small group. We can, we can look up, but our focus doesn't change. I look up, but I'm still wanting money. These guys have what I need, but I just want a handout. And I'm wondering if you want to leverage your ability to have significance while you are stuck. I wonder, Red Rocks Church, do we need to check our focus? Because sometimes God places us in a situation. Sometimes some of you have been stuck for so long because you have had an inability to focus where you need it. If you're stuck... What are you focused on? This man was still looking for money. He didn't realize what was standing right in front of him. You know that you're stuck when you stop looking up. I wonder, have you stopped looking up? Where's your focus? I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 121. He says, I look up. I look up to the mountains, these grand, magnificent, powerful, unbelievable mountains. I look up to the mountains, but then he asks this question. He says, does my help come from there? We're like, no, you know, mountains can't help you, psalmist. But so many times we go, can my help comes, can it come from there? When it doesn't, can it, can it, can it come from there? Can it come from there? Can it come from there? Do you remember the old book, the kid's book, Are You My Mother? You know, it's like how we are as grown adults. Can you fix me? Is this where my help comes from? Is this where I can get unstuck and get out of my situation? Are you my mother? Is this where my help comes from? And then verse two, he says what we all need to hear and the way that we all need to shift our focus. And in verse two, he says, no, my help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the Lord who made heavens and earth. What we do as humans sometimes, we, we get so stuck that we look at all the practical solutions. That looks amazing. Maybe that's my solution. Those are mountains. Just look at the mountains. I talked to someone the other day fighting with anxiety and he goes, maybe I just need to get a trip out to the mountains. No, I mean, yes, it's amazing, but it's not going to change your anxiety. It'll change it for a moment. Your help doesn't come from the mountains. It doesn't come from your addictive behaviors to pain medication and alcohol and sex and achievement. Your help comes from the Lord. I wonder what are you focused on? Because the practical solutions are always going to lead you astray because they don't involve faith. And God says, if you're going to please me, you're going to love me, you're going to follow me. You cannot please God without faith. 
So every time you look at the practical way out, the practical solution, your practical answer to get unstuck, the Bible says you're never going to please God getting out that way. Find the way that makes most sense. The mountains look like the practical solution. Looking to God to help me feels crazy. But that's why faith's involved. I wonder for some of you, if you want to find significance in being stuck, do you need to check your focus? I love what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now to him, who? Him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to my power that I'm working out. That's not what it says. It says, according to his power, that as at work everywhere else, all around us, in other people's lives that read their Bible more than us, and maybe it's, it's at work in people's lives that have been, been Christians longer, or maybe don't cuss as much as me. That's not what the Bible says. It says, according to his power that is at work within us. That's universal. Every Christ follower, every single person that has asked Christ Jesus to come into your life, it says that his power is at work within you. And he's willing and able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than you could even ask. And so some of you in your situations right now, you need to stop looking at the practical solution and start going, Jesus, I just need an encounter with you. I need your presence. I need your power. It doesn't make sense. I don't know a way out, but Jesus, I'm looking to you. It's where my help comes from. I can tell a lot about you by the power that's at work within you. I wonder, is your life boring and normal and cliche and average? I'm not asking if you are. I'm asking if the fruit of your life is. Because we can tell a lot about you by the power that is at work within you. I wonder when you're stuck, can you find significance by changing your focus? Because a hundred times out of a hundred times, God's power is greater than your problem. I love what it says in verse two. It says that this man was lame from birth. It's always been this way. This has always been my reality. Like literally, I came out of the womb with this disability. Like this has always been my story. This is in reality, this is me. This is all I've ever known. It says he was lame from birth. And then verse 10, it says that after he was healed, he was leaping around and everybody's looking at him going, wait, 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 we know that guy. We see him all the time. He's been coming here for, for almost 30 years. This dude's 40 years old now. He's been begging in the same place. We know that guy. And they said he was the lame beggar. That's who he is. This passage actually never tells this man's name. He is only identified with the situation that he's been stuck in. I wonder how many of us have the same story. It's my son. He's an addict. 
This is, I know her. She's just been in and out of marriages. What a relational train wreck. That's who she is. This guy is so self-absorbed. He just loves himself. Oh, that's, I know that guy. I wonder, has your stuckness become your identity? I wonder, has what somebody's spoken over you, maybe a family member, a loved one, an authority figure, I wonder, have words kept you stuck for a long, long time? I know one of the biggest struggles for me was getting rid of all the things that everybody else said that I was. Friends, that's tough work. That's brutal work. Like that's, that's deep soul searching, heart surgery, trying to peel away everything that everybody's always identified me as. I'm stuck. That's not who I am. I want to be different. Some of you, you can even make some good strides away from your addictions, away from your bad behaviors, but everybody around you goes, no, we know. We know who you really are. It's cool you're going to church, but man, can you drink. We know who you really, really are. If you want to find significance in your situation, write this down. When I'm stuck, I got to reject my labels. I got to reject my labels because, friends, there's nothing more crucial to you following the purposes of God for your life than rejecting what everybody else says that you are, who they say that you are, what your patterns and what you've been focused on say that you are. And when you begin to direct your eyes towards Jesus and you begin to go, God, I can't do this on my own. I need to know who you say that I am. Friends, you'll never live out the purpose of God for your life if you're living through your labels. And some of you feel imprisoned, you feel stuck, you feel so tormented because of something that somebody said to you. I wonder, do you need to be reminded who God says you are? If you want to find significance, friends, when you are stuck, it's time that we... We get rid of the labels. We get rid of what everybody says that we are, who our parents, the names that they called us, the ways that they belittled you, the ways that they placed you in a box, the way that maybe your upbringing has shaped you and has formed you, all that you are, the labels that people have given to you. You've never been given your identity from God Almighty. He's the one that fashioned and formed you. So there's always going to be a void in your heart. If your labels become your identity, I wonder, are you stuck? Because God just wants you to reject some labels this weekend. Friends, there's so much purpose in your situation. There's significance in you being stuck where you are. God loves you too much to keep you where you are but he'll use it. I love the story of the, the children of Israel. They get, they get led out of slavery, led out of bondage, and they get to the wilderness and they're on their way to the promised land. And the only thing that kept the children of Israel from entering into the promised land 
God wasn't going, I'm just going to send you out there for 40 years. Good luck. You're just going to eat bread that I send from heaven. That wasn't his plan. They had to tarry and circle and make laps because they were disobedient to God's ways. Friends, their toiling in the wilderness for 40 years was the kindness of God to change their hearts. I wonder, is there significance in your stuck? I just believe God's got a plan for you. And I believe that his plan isn't for us to stay stationary. His plan for your life is not that you remain stuck, that your reality seems dormant and dry and stagnant. And there's no supernatural. There's nothing amazing, nothing immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's not his plan for your life. We learned last week that great God's stories start with really ordinary people. I wonder, does God want to take your ordinary, average, everyday life? Does he want to use the fact that you feel stuck to release you into your purpose? If you're able, would you stand to your feet across all of our locations? This is going to be our time as a church where we do some, some deep heart work. Some of you are feeling so stuck. You feel so helpless. You've actually lost hope in ever moving from where you are. Can you please don't leave here without the Holy Spirit doing something in your life? When I'm stuck, friends, I have to create in my heart a desire to change my patterns, to, to, to check my focus and to reject my labels. Some of you, you might need to grab hold of all three of these. Some of you, it might just be one thing that seems like it's hanging you up. Today is the day that we make a decision to use and leverage our feelings of being stuck and we let God catapult us into our purposes, the ones that he has for us, the plans that he has for us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna pray for two types of people this weekend. The first group is a group of people that you're going, man, this is cool and everything, but I'm new to all this. Like this whole Jesus thing is really cool, supernatural, his power, like those are all, I mean, that's cool. It's kind of weird too, but the Bible says that step one and you stepping into the purposes of God for your life is that you make him the Lord over everything that you do, over the way that you think, over the way that you act, over your plans, over your agendas. He becomes Lord. And that's just a cool word for, he becomes the boss. And it's really simple. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't, you don't have to change your behavior before you make Jesus the Lord of your life. He says it's done this way. He says, if you could just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you just believe in your heart, that God raised his son from the dead on your behalf for your sins, you will be saved. It's really, really easy, but it's incredibly significant. It's the best decision that you'll ever make. If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord over your life, I wanna give you a, a moment here in front of hundreds of people and thousands of people across our locations that have already made this declaration. Would you be so bold? If you wanna make that commitment today, I can include you in this prayer. Would you just slip up your hand? Amen. Come on, slip up your hand. God behind bars, raise your hand if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Brussels, Lakewood, Arvada, Littleton, lift up your hands. 
Jesus, right now, I just pray for every single person that has an act of faith, raise their hand to make you Lord of their lives. Jesus, today, would you change their reality and those that feel stuck? Jesus, making you king of our lives is the very first step. So I pray, would you unlock your purposes for them? Would you unlock your power and do immeasurably more than they could ever imagine according to your power, God, that is at work within their lives? Today, we celebrate together as Red Rocks Church family, all of those that made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for paving a way for us. It's amazing, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quick, but I want to pray for a second group of you that have just felt so stuck. You're like, I don't know that I'll ever actually get free. I can get free for a little while, and I'm pretty good. It looks pretty good. But I haven't really found freedom. I'm believing this weekend that you're going to find freedom. Freedom from the thing that you've been addicted to. Freedom from relational baggage. Freedom from shame and guilt and condemnation. Freedom from labels that people have placed over you. No longer will they define you. From now on, you will be defined by who God says you are. If that's you, if you just feel stuck today, would you just lift your hand at all of our locations? You just have a situation that you're going, man, I can't get free. I can't get out. I'm believing that God's supernatural power is going to intervene with your story, that you're going to find the significance in being stuck. God, I just pray for every single person that's here under the sound of my voice. You know their stories. You know their pain. You know their difficulties. You know the patterns that they've just repeated over and over and over. You know the things that they've been focused on as solutions that will never set them free. God, and you know the labels that have held them captive for so long. Jesus, today we lift those up to you, knowing that it was because of your power that you're going to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And in this place, God, we just lay our ability, our inability to move our inability to change at your feet. And God, I just pray, would you meet us this weekend? Would you change us in this place? And every faith-filled person at Red Rocks Church said, amen. Come on, Red Rocks. Let's do work this weekend. Let's go after the purposes of God for our lives. Let's worship.